Hello, baby. You're listening to My Perfect Playlist with me, Mark Nelson. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of My Perfect Playlist. We're back. We're back after a, a fairly long hiatus, about two months, I think, we've been away. Um, and this is this is the start of series 2. Series 2, this is how I'm covering up the fact that we've not been here, as if I've just planned to do it series by series. This is series 2. Not season 2. I will not have anything to do with that American shite about season. This is series 2, episode 8. It's good to be back. Reason we've been away, um, because uh, the Edinburgh Festival happened out of the blue. Never realised that was going to happen, so I was taken up with that. And then I had a load of solo shows that I needed to fit in and folk. And I filmed a special in the time and the TV series and stuff, so I'm very, very busy. But I am back to my biggest love now, which is becoming this podcast. And I've been gathering some cracking guests for uh, the rest of it. Some really, really, really big names. Coming up, very, very excited. Today's episode, my guest is the wonderful stand-up, Elliot Steele. One of my best pals. Really, really funny. Really, really interesting. It's a cracking chat. It's probably the most, I wouldn't say controversial, and I wouldn't say dangerous, because that sounds wanky. It's probably the, the episode that, so far, we might get in trouble for some of the stuff we say. But, uh it's very, very funny. We had such a good laugh doing it. So please enjoy the episode. Elliot Steele, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. How are you, man? I'm very well. Yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. We are, we're we recording this at about uh, 10 past 10 at night. And the reason is because you wanted to watch Love Island. Yeah. <laughs> and, and damn right. It was a good episode. It's what happened the more there, there was a recoupling. So like it's now the, the series is finally getting good because... Everyone, everyone's complaining because, like, basically they send the boys. If you don't know, like, everyone gets to know each other for these last few weeks. The relationships are pretty cemented. They then split the villas up between the boys and the girls, and the boys go to a different villa, mm-hmm. and they put six different girls in there, and they have to spend like five days there getting to know these other girls. And they can, and then there's five, uh, six new boys going to the old villa, so the girls, so so the relationships are put to the test, and. Bar two of the boys, it seems everyone is a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> it's just great. That, that absolutely shocks me. <laughs> like, one lad, one lad, didn't, he didn't even hesitate. Like, as soon as someone knew, the new girl isn't even fitter or better looking or, like, a more interesting person than the other girl. She was just there. Right, like, <laughs> she was just there, and he was like, "Oh, right, well, I guess I'll go back with her." I find it really funny that they're like on national TV, and everyone's just going to know that they're a piece of shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> it brings me so much enjoyment, and everyone who complains about them as well is an idiot. Because that's what makes the show good. The show would suck if it was just a bunch of monogamous. People who just start partway through the series are just knitting together. Oh god, yeah. Do they do they have sex? Yeah. You don't they've see turned, that. No, they've toned it down a little bit because I it, the show's now. I don't know how to say it. It's more family friendly. So like, <laughs> not, yeah, it, yeah. It, like, 
it's a real fucking gather around the TV moment. <laughs> well, it kind of it kind of is because like so many young people watch it. How far into it is it now? Uh, about a month. About a month. How long does it last? About another three weeks, I'd say. Is uh, what week is it that someone commits suicide? Well, that's that's the fun of it because that actually <laughs> might happen a few weeks <laughs> after the end of the show. Anyway, my favourite song. <laughs> uh, right, um, I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you could with this. You, because when I when I first had the idea for this podcast, you were one of the first people that I I wanted to get on it because you, you're 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 the youngest person I've had on I've had on so far. So I was well interested to see what you would send over, and it's really good. Like it's really. Oh, thank you. It's a fucking belter of a playlist. Um, your opening track. That uh, you've picked to kick it all off, you have picked Invaders Must Die by The Prodigy. One of the greatest dance songs of all time. Because you, you love The Prodigy. Yeah, yeah, massive Prodigy fan. Mate, it's one of those, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where anyone I know who's seen him live, like my dad has gone to see a lot of, like, bands live, and he went to see The Prodigy, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, he went, it was it, it was just mental. And a few yeah. years ago, they, they did a night at Brixton at the O2 Academy, and one of the nights, they were like, we're going to just go, go on i think it was something ridiculous like from eight till eight in the morning Jesus. it was just we're just, yeah it was just we're just doing a 12 hour set like it's just going to be chaos and i was like i'm in an hour in over it i went nah I'll, I'll see him another time and then i was gonna see him at snow bombing i was doing a festival out in the alps yeah and they were they were booked to headline as well as stormzy so i was like this is going to be great and uh keith link killed himself so they weren't on and then Someone at Snowbombing um, stopped and searched one of Stormzy's mates and racially profiled him. So then he pulled out on the day as well. Jesus. So nobody, nobody who I wanted to, it was like anyone I wanted to see live just didn't, 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 didn't turn up. Who did they replace them with, do you know? I don't think they did. I think they were, Fuck. I think it was, <laughs> I don't think you can replace someone on that short notice. It was literally like an hour before he went on. You don't really want to be the act that replace. I mean, like if you've got an entire crowd waiting to see Stormzy, and then you find out that the organisers have racially profiled his pal, and then they go, "However, here they are, Mumford and Sons." <laughs> I it's a proper a proper belter. This uh, this song. It's because it's like the first. Um, I was reading an interview with Liam Howlett from the Prodigy, and he said that like he knows what Prodigy fan want, fans want and every first track cause this first track in the album every first track just basically needs to kick you right in the face yeah and this is exactly that yeah they, it was I remember I, like listening to this when it first came out and it was like the first Prodigy album I actually like fully listened to and I I couldn't believe it like every track on that Invaders Must Die album mm-hmm. is just wall-to-wall banger like unbelievable and this, this was before i would like go out and stuff as well i would just listen to that and that was yeah. sort of my uh opening to like 
dance music to like what dance music could be because i think dance music gets put in this unfair category of like oh a dj just goes on and they just press play yeah then there's like a whole yeah there's like this it's like well no it's 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 new it's it's modern technology creating music that's the point of it that like it's like it's like going back in the 1500s seeing someone with a loop going (laughs) oh no this this modern wanker no we should all just sit around and do vocal warm-ups yeah and 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 it's so complex and it's so great. Like whenever I, I like to go to IB for and stuff like that. And I, I went to see uh, Damien Lazarus, who's a really good DJ uh, in a nightclub out there. And it was, he was unbelievable. Like it was so good. And and this was my introduction to dance music was, was that song. Cause it kicks you in your face. Like you said. Hi. Um, the thing about the prodigy is when they played live, they had a live drummer. Like, yeah. And the guy, I mean, the guy was insane because if, if you think about the drum loops, and a prodigy track to play them live is just incredible. Like, what? I always thought that about Slipknot. Slipknot needed two drummers, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the the, the drumming was so ridiculous that they had to have two drummers on as well. And uh, Chase and Status, mm. uh, they do all of their stuff. They one of them just is on the decks, and one of them's just hitting the drums. And it's it's unreal, man. The, the level of fitness. That's where I think like. You know, there's that thing you think about bands like, oh, they probably go out and get on it afterwards. I always mm. think like, I bet they don't as much as you think as you'd like to think they do. Nah, they probably don't. Like, because you, you need never... that level of fitness. Yeah, you never get a really fat bastard in a band. No, you don't, do you? Do you know what I mean? Because like, you would think if 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 the lifestyle is where you're drinking, and you know what it's like when you're out like on the road anyway as a comic, you eat shit. It's very yeah. difficult to eat decent. So if you're eating shit all the time and you're on the road for nine months of the year and you're supposed to be drinking every night, you'd think at one point there would be one front man that was a real fat bastard. All right, the thing, I, yeah, the thing I'd say to that though, do you think it could be a thing where if you're at the level where you're doing arenas, or not, you don't even necessarily have to be doing arenas. You're doing like you're as a band, you're selling out Hammersmith Apollo, which is still mm-hmm. massive. Yeah, but like. You 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 probably have a catering crew who can come and deal. You can probably uh, in your rider. Whereas That's our true. rider, like our rider, is, is just a bottle of water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like <laughs> our like my like when people are always like, oh, what, 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 oh we're gonna go backstage. I'm like, man, lower those expectations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be you're gonna be in a room where they're storing something. Yeah. And then that's that's just where you get changed. And if you're lucky, someone might get you a beer. And that's that's the level of treatment we're used to. Yeah, exactly. Whereas yeah. Like, I imagine in the Prodigy, there's like a buffet of LSD if you want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Re- I'm glad you pointed that out because I do realise the way I was comparing us being on tour, the Prodigy being on tour. I was kind of suggesting that the Prodigy stop off at TBA services to get a sandwich. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're telling the driver, no, 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 mate, go to the next one. There's an MS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an MS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 don't, you don't want to go here. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, next song. Uh, a song that reminds you of your childhood, and you have picked Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire The ring of fire 
Yeah, this is a song. Uh, this is a song that my dad used to play all the time while I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, I just think, like as I got older, listening to this song, as I got older and started listening to Johnny Cash, like whereas when I was younger, I was like, yeah, it's kind of, but it was one of those things that was like nice to mature into, mm-hmm. kind of like you know, like whiskey. Like you might, I mean, when I was thirteen, I first got drunk on my dad's nice scotches, threw up everywhere. Mm. And now that I'm 24, like I've finally in the last year gotten back into scotch yeah. and being like, oh, right, this is how you're meant to enjoy this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like this is this is a thing to be enjoyed, not to just binge drink on. Aye. And I, and I kind of think that with like Johnny Cash is like when I was listening to him as a kid, it was just so it was like that annoying thing my dad used to play. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, it's like this wonderful, there's all this. I, I, I say this like I listen to it. I know three of his songs. <laughs> but like, they're good. I, I'm, I'm good on Johnny Cash. I hope he's up to, uh, I hope he's get up to new good things. Oh, he's dead. He may, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so I'd be amazed if he was up to new things. Yeah, I love, I love Johnny Cash. Like, I he's, he's brilliant. He's a proper fascinating guy. Like, have you ever seen the, or heard the, the, the Folsom Prison gig he did? Oh, yeah, 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 that and San Quentin. And San Quentin, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's brilliant. Have you ever, you ever done a gig in a prison? No. You know? Why would I? Nah, I wouldn't do a fucking gig in a prison. I've done, I've done a couple. Um, what? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be, that I don't think they happen as much anymore, but um, when I first kind of started out, I was going to say there's quite a, there was quite a big prison circuit. But uh, it was, it did happen around about, it was normally, it was always at Christmas as well. I did. So you were like that Christmas tree? Basically, yeah. And I remember I did it, uh, I did it, I think it, I think it was Greenock Prison, and which is a mixed prison, it was a big massive prison. And um, they brought them in in different uh, groups. So uh, they brought like the, most of the dudes in first, and they sat them in like the second section. And then they brought the women in, and they sat them at the back. Oh, and any time any of the men had a quick sly look round at any of the women, the guards would like slap their face away, so they weren't allowed to look at the women. Fucking hell! What and was then there was a like? section at the front for about twenty people. And I said to the the prison officer that was running the gig, I was like, well, "Who's that for?" And they were like, "They're the lifers. Like they're the real psychos." And I was like, "Fucking excellent! Like ah. sit them right up the front. That'll be amazing." Did you do, like, were you tempted to just do crowd work and be like, were you in form eight? Pretty much. I mean, I, I treated it, I treated it like, I, I say I treated it like I would if I went into a normal prison. If I went in a normal prison, I'd be dead within a day. But uh, <laughs> I treated it like, so I basically, there was a guy kind of trying to heckle and I put him down and then I kept going at him, kept going at him because the rest of the people, the rest of the inmates found that hilarious. And, uh, but he, I mean, he obviously hated me, like, properly, like, staring through, yeah, if I wasn't in here, you would die, kind of, eyes. When you when you were going through him and getting, like, the cheer of the other inmates, did you finally understand, like, why when you go to prison you need to beat up the weakest person? Well, like, see, that, that's, that's what I was, <laughs> that's the way, 
that's the way I was doing it. I was like, I'll go in, if I go into prison, I'll, I'll, I'll batter the top dog, and then I'll be top dogs. That's not, that's not, that's not how prison works. Yes. Yeah, no, it isn't. You don't just walk in there, beat up the top guy, and then they go, ah, oh, fair enough, you're now, that's... Well, Elliot, I hope you never have to go to prison, because that's how it works, man. <laughs> what was What was the gig like? It was all right. I mean, the, the, the thing is, they, they tell you, one of them they told us not, could you not talk about outside things too much? And I was like, oh. I don't I don't really have that much observation <laughs> material for these guys. Like, I'm not like, it's like, you know, you know what it's like when you have to, you know what it's like when you're, you're standing in a queue and you have to trade your life for cigarettes in case a guy <laughs> fucking sharpens a toothbrush and sticks it in your uh, neck? You know what that's uh, like? Uh, you know, you know when you're in the showers and you're actually just trying to clean yourself, but uh, <laughs> but, but the Mexicans, <laughs> the Mexicans have a debt to settle. <laughs> so, <laughs> the so yeah, they're, they're just doing one of their own in there, and you're like, oh great, I left the radox over near. <laughs> I don't think you could. I left the radox over near the prison rape. <laughs> I love the fact. I love the fact you think there'd be a Mexican gang in Greenock <laughs> Prison. There's a Mexican gang in prisons. They'll be. They'll. They get about. <laughs> I feel like I feel like every I feel like if I went to prison and there wasn't a Mexican gang, I wouldn't think it was a real prison. Well, I can tell you there is not a, a, a massive Hispanic community in the in the west of Scotland. So. There's a there's a really funny story uh, that I found out about uh, this song because um, it was written it was written by uh, June Carter who got married to Johnny Cash. And it's basically it's basically about the relationship, like her going, I'm, I'm I'm basically in love with this mad bastard, and I can't get out of it. And the guy she wrote it with was like their longtime collaborator. And years after Johnny Cash died, this guy phoned up Johnny Cash's estate and tried to get them to sign over the rights because he wanted to sell it to a, basically an anal cream company. They wanted to use it in their advert. <laughs> Just destroying Johnny Cash's legacy. Imagine it was the shortest conversation. They just went, no. (laughs) You're going to ruin the legacy of a man who did gigs in prison. What were you you like as a kid? Um, I was a bit of a mad bastard, really. Uh I was was a bit sort of emo-y, sort of... I don't know. I was... Yeah, I wasn't really a, a likable character, I'd say. Mm. You know what I was like? I was like, you know, one of the kids in the you know, one of the kids in the Sopranos yeah. who doesn't go into the mob, but they're just like a weird, fucked up person. Yeah, who just brings shame on the family. Yeah, that was me. And was it weird? Was it weird having a famous dad when you were at school? I'm not because my dad wasn't famous enough that people knew who he was at my who were my age. Like, it's right, not okay. like if you're it's not like if your dad is if your dad's I don't know, like my not even like Michael McIntyre, like if your dad was Dermot O'Leary. Yeah. Right, where everyone just kind of uh, he's not you know, they'd be like, Oh what the, that would be weird, but nobody nobody knew who he was, nobody knew any of his work who was my age mm-hmm. that it that it was weird. Mm-hmm. But no, it was it was pretty. Um, it what what was peculiar is 
as sort of now being in comedy with everyone knowing my dad, I, I find it a bit weird. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, I was going to ask you about that because has it got easier? Um, when I first started, I used to—I wouldn't say I've ever had a chip on my shoulder about it because mm-hmm. I think it's very—I think it's very, 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 very important if you're in a position of mine that you are very aware that you are part of where you are is because of nepotism. Mm-hmm. Now, don't be upset by that. Don't get don't get a chip on your shoulder about it but just it, it just accept that and own it mm-hmm. a little bit but then also go look, look i'm good enough that i do my own thing like when i play comedy clubs or when i get booked for comedy clubs they're not booking me because of who my dad is they're booking me because of my act yeah so that's like enough that you can go cool i work on this i do that I, i'm good enough to be here but then also realize that I'm, i also am where i am for certain things of the industry because of who my dad is so yeah. that's why I'd, i anyone who i ever read whose parents are in an industry or like you um how do i put it like uh, billy eilish right yeah she's clearly a, a phenomenal songwriter a phenomenal musician she understands it but her brother's a really well-known music producer yeah so so to be like oh my god where did this girl come from <laughs> well she came from someone whose brother's a really talented music producer yeah. now that's not to say she isn't fantastic mm-hmm. but then you, i think i think you know when you look at these things you have to you have to kind of own it a little bit and just go yeah yeah, yeah i totally just in this case part of it is nepotism but i think that's the way everything works in the world you get somewhere because of who you no, now you still have to do a certain job, but think about like a job for a building firm. If you just know someone who works there, you Aye. can get a job labouring, and then next thing you know, if you work hard at it, you're the bricklayer, you're the this, you're the that, and this yeah. this just happens to be an industry that that's comedy. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you need to. You, it's like you take the you take the positives and you take the breaks, but then you still need to back it up. Yeah. Like, it, like you, you, you'll get doors open for you, but those doors will get shut very, very quickly if you're dog shit. Yeah, well, that well, that happens to people. You see, people who yeah. are, I, I don't know if they're. It's necessary. I can't think of anyone whose parents are comedians that are necessarily dog shit. But I, I know uh, <laughs> who. Uh, um but i I can think of people i know in the industry who have benefited from things who who like okay so here's one that i always notice is like if you're a young comedian Mm -hmm. if you're starting comedy i started when i was 16 when i was 19 i stopped saying my age on stage because i was like i'm but i i can't keep riding this young thing Mm -hmm. it's i was getting very bored of it and it did me the world of good now it meant i spent a year sucking a little bit harder but then after that year i was way better than if i just continued to say my age and Mm. it's comedians i see and comedians i know whose like whole thing has been oh my god i'm young the thing is you can be 23 24 doing comedy 23 24 no one gives a fuck you're not young you're just you're in your 20s yeah and they that i've seen people do that who now if you if your whole thing is i'm this thing and that thing goes you're then stuck. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've seen I've seen that happen quite a bit. The the, the other thing I wanted to ask was um, when your dad would come to watch you at sets, did that add an extra level of pressure? 
Um, yeah, fuck it. The, the other, so I did, it happened the other week at the Comedia, he popped down. Uh-huh. And first show, it's when they were doing two shows. First show I walk on, and like, you, it was like, I, I rocked it. It was a good gig. Second show, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I'm the kind of person when I die as a safety mechanism because I'm insecure. Like, instead of trying to get them back, I, I then go into them. And, bla- and and try act like that's a cool thing to do when really it's a it's a insecurity yeah. like so i'll i'll deliberately blow the gig up to to so my death doesn't look like it's a death it looks like i'm i'd rather it look like i'm having a meltdown and going at the audience <laughs> do you know what i mean it's, it's really really bad so yeah i so i spent i spent the rest of the set doing that yeah and and my dad's just at the back and like came off and he it was just like it, it, we just England just did one four nil against Ukraine. So it was like, yeah, how about, how about that game? Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, right, move on a couple of years. Uh, Something that reminds you of a teenager. Uh, I love the fact that you've picked this. Um, Arctic monkeys. Red lights indicate doors are secure. Yeah, so I, I first listened to that again when I was like sort of 10 or 11 when that album came out and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good album. I re-listened to it when I was about nine, uh, maybe about 18 or 19, maybe earlier. And then I, I'd started going out mm-hmm. and that album is one of the greatest albums of all time because yep. it captures British nightlife perfectly. Yeah, uh, The sadness of it, the pointlessness of it, the, the the fact you hate yourself for being part of it the everything that there is about it uh, the, the going out to pool the going out getting into fights and just being there to get drunk and it and especially in like places like sheffield or if you what i like about doing comedy is when you go to these other towns like i'm and, and this happens in london as well let me just say like me and my mates do there was just two places would go in bromley you'd go to lloyd's and then you'd go over to Voodoo's. Mm-hmm. And they're both as terrible as they sound. I, and that's just what you did every Friday and Saturday. And then when I re-listened to that album, I, I was like, oh, I finally understand this. Mm-hmm. And especially that song. Yeah. And I think, like... First of all, I think the Arctic Monkeys are the, la- the last brilliant band that Britain have produced. Like, the last Excuse me. Class um, band. Jedward. Hmm? Jedward. Well, see, I, I always cast class Jedward as a duo, <laughs> more than a band. <laughs> uh... <laughs> they keep trying to be political on Twitter, and yeah. everyone's like congratulating them. And it's like, shut up! I don't even care if I agree with you. It's all stuff I agree with. And yeah, I'm just like, shut up. Aye, they never come out with some proper humdingers, Jedward. That is always playing to the the gallery. They celebrated because today the X Factor got cancelled and Jedward's kind of put something like mission accomplished or something like that. Like, try to make out they've been trying to bring it down from the inside. Uh, that, 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 that mission accomplished is up there. You know, when George Bush had that big mission accomplished banner uh-huh. up on the, ha- on the aircraft carrier after, he's like, Yeah, we've just won the war in Iraq. And they're like, It's only been like four days. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. That's, that's the same as Jedward's mission accomplished. Like, I don't think you, I don't think, I think the only way Jedward would have got that cancelled is if while they had been on it, they came out as paedophiles or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird as well that they're twins and they hang out that much and they sleep in the same room. Yeah, they, that's strange. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Do you reckon they fuck each other? I imagine they have. Um, like, I mean, They've, I mean, I'd say they definitely wanked each other off. Uh, you don't get this on Desert Island Discs. You don't, do you? No. That's what I like about That's what I like about your podcast. So Richard Attenborough. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, and Eric Clapton, yeah, the, the passing uh, of your son must have been very difficult. But yeah, do you reckon Jedward have ever <laughs> noshed each other off? <laughs> The um, but yeah, what I was going to say was that that the, the, the like Alex Turner's lyrics are just incredible, and it's there's good. a line. It's it's my it's because I loved this album when it came out as well, and I, the, my favourite line in the whole album where he's talking about being because I mean this song's essentially about getting a taxi home. That's how yeah. mundane like you're saying it is. But there's a line where he's been like trying to chat a girl up in the club beforehand, and then he says the line is like um. This lad at the side drinking a small face went and paid for our tropical reef. And I was like, my yeah, yeah, God, yeah. that is fucking, that's poetry, man. Yeah, it's brilliant because you just, you just understand it. You go back to a situation you've been in like that. It just, and that, it, like I said, when I started listening to it, when I was going out, mm-hmm. it, it suddenly took on this whole new thing. It was this like, oh, I finally, yeah, I've been that dude. And oh my God, yeah, I get, I've, get this now i think that first arctic monkeys album is is for me one of the greatest albums of all time like yeah. whenever i put it on i go oh, i'll just i'll just put it on and i find myself like listening like almost like you know like goodfellas like yeah, you put yeah. goodfellas on you'll just go to put it on and there's not a moment of it where you're not just loving it no exactly exactly and and i think i think that, i think that's what it's one of the few albums that does that yeah yeah, no, they are, they are, they are, they're the class band. Have you seen them? Because I find it weird now because that that album's so kind of of not of its time because it still holds up, but because it is about that kind of growing up in Sheffield or which could be any city. Because now, Alex Turner especially has got like this kind of Elvis kind of thing going on where he's got this transatlantic accent and he's got a, a quiff. When he ever, whenever they do the early art monkey songs, I don't think they really fit. Yeah, it's, it's it's I'm not I'm not a fan of their later stuff at all, and I don't mean that in like some sort of um, I, they should be allowed to progress and become famous and make as much money as they wish, and mm. and their new stuff. When people, I'm sure, if you if I was just listening to it for the first time, I would really enjoy it, but. The reason that that album is special is because you're capturing sort of almost working class nightlife. Well, not yeah. just working class, but the working middle class nightlife that is going out and just drinking and trying to chat up girls, failing and going home. Yeah. And they now don't have that issue. There's no lad who's drinking a smell of ice who's going to... No one drinks tropical reefs in places where Alex Turner now drinks. No, exactly. <laughs> the, and, and that's not his fault. Yeah. That's not, that's not that he's a wanker and he can't create anything like that. It's like 
that's just the that's just the price of success it's like when you see uh there's like a famous story of uh of uh what's his name he, he, he played is it tim allen tim allen from mm. uh from Home santa Cooper. claus films oh yeah no, yeah, no, yeah. no for santa claus films right and he he did a return to stand-up and he was going on at a comedy store in LA and all the comedians at the back are like, whoa, what the fuck? Tim Allen's dropping in to do a set. And his set, he was doing observational stuff about how bad Ferrari's breakdown cover is, about how bad the show... <laughs> and they were all at the back going, no. And they were like, it was like a good bit. But, and I, I thought that was like Jim Jeffries' last special. I love Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffrey, oh, Alcohol Holocaust, one of the greatest specials of all time I've seen in life. He's phenomenal. But he was doing routines about being on a date at Michelin star restaurants uh-huh. and when you're doing the taster menu. And not once did he go, if he had just gone, yeah, I know, look, I'm not like you. My life's mental, okay? Uh-huh. I, I, I try to, I can't come on here and complain about stuff I used to complain about. I could then watch it. I could mm-hmm. then forgive it. But he didn't. And I was like going, Oh, do you not realise that that's not normal? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's kind of a thing that must happen. You know, if you're a musician, like you see it happen with rappers. Like a a great rapper will come out and do a brilliant album about what it's like growing up in the streets, growing up in a hood, and then the next album's just them with like fifty bitches in the background. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, and just they've got gold chains coming out of everywhere, Aye. and you go, oh, okay. The thing that you're, it's not your fault, but you you've you, this is what happens when you come successful it's really hard to especially when you've come successful with a thing where you've captured uh something within society that oh, only yeah. you know that zeitgeist that is there i don't know i, pre- I, I think i think i'd pre- i think i prefer the tim allen way than if they just kept doing their older kind of stuff like it's like yeah 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 it's like when you see like i've i've been at I've been at, at clubs where big acts are doing a tr- like warm up stuff, like for a tour preview stuff, and you know these are people that will sell out Wembley Arena, and they're talking about shopping in home bargains, and you're going, you know, fucking shit, what you don't even you shopping home bargains? What the fuck are you talking about? I think I think it's better if they embrace. Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely! Like that's why I love that uh, Louis C.K. bit. I know you're not meant to like. I just, I just like a bit of his where it's about flying first class. Yeah, and the bit, the bit is him going, "Yeah, I, I fly first class. I'm not like you." And it's like, "Oh, cool! You've referenced it. Fine. I, I'm now actually interested to hear what it is for you to be exactly. in that world." Yeah. Uh, whereas I know what you mean. Like when I watch a comedian who's like. Who's <laughs> really well off, and they're like, oh, you know what the middle section of Lidl's like, and they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. You, you, you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't understand. Yeah. You don't. You don't go to Lidl. Talking about going out, a song that gets you dancing, uh, and you've picked "Hey Girl, Hey Boy" by the Chemical Brothers. They're one of the greatest bands, well, greatest duos I've ever seen live. They, I saw them. I saw them at Best of All. Uh, man, they were they were unreal. Just uh, 
yeah one, one of those things that you watch and go oh i'm glad i saw this Aye. like i'm glad i have the memory of this i was just there with my mate jacob we just uh we would uh, we were hanging around with like a group you know people like we know like kai humphreys tom Holt, and daniel sauce and me and my mate jacob's like whole the whole weekend we were like we're gonna go see the chemical brothers we're both big chemical brother fans uh-huh. uh it was a thing where everyone else was like oh we're gonna go do this and we were like all right cool we're gonna go watch this Aye. and we went and we just had the best time just was the this, best time was this when they were doing the because the last time i saw them they had the, like the kind of laser show yeah yeah where, uh, where they had that big massive 3d dude that would walk over the crowd yeah yeah it was, it, yeah they had all of that stuff it was, it was great have you, you seen them live then i've seen them i've seen them live a few times uh, i've seen them do yeah. just a regular kind of dj set which was still good but that full light show it's is just unreal it's unbelievable because it's not it's not it's not just great music anymore it is now an actual it's like it's like it's like what i imagine going to see Cirque du Soleil as some like you know you're just like oh, fucking hell this is one of the best things i've ever seen in my life yeah, yeah, I, I saw them and uh, I've seen them and Rage Against the Machine live, and they were they're both still the like top, aye, top aye. people that I've ever ever seen. I saw Beyonce live once as well; she was good. Yeah, I like Beyonce. I really like I Beyonce. Saw, uh, I saw I saw her at V Fest, which is the worst festival. Did you ever do V Fest? I never. Di- I, I, I used I used to go to it as a punter before I started comedy. Oh, I never did it as what? an act. It, it's the worst festival I've ever been to. <laughs> It's that is, that was that. It was like if Lad Bible did a festival. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and not old Lad Bible, not new Lad Bible that tries to be journalists. Do you see this with Lad Bible now? They try to be like journalists. Yeah. Because I know I, I have like I know a guy. Well, I know someone who knows someone who works there, and their like thing is is like look in like a post Me Too society, we can't be doing football fitties on a Monday anymore. Aye. So we need to start interviewing people who've like, who've like fought ISIS and stuff. And they're trying to, they're trying to be like vice, but you go, weren't you the guys that used to post pictures of girls in like Sunderland tops showing a bit of under tit? Yeah. Why yeah. are you, <laughs> now you're interviewing, now you're, now you're interviewing a man who's brought down Britain's paedophile network. <laughs> or something. What the fuck are you doing? Absolutely. That's a weird, that's the that's the biggest career change I've seen. The art, not the Arctic Monkeys, Tropical Reefs, to all of a sudden owning houses in Bel Air. Yeah, Lad Bible suddenly suddenly interviewing like it's like it's a serious journalist outlet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Six months prior, they were they were doing a feature of food that looks like famous people. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, um, uh, call him call him peter crouch a legend because he said he'd be if when asked uh when asked what it'd be if he wasn't a footballer he said a virgin yeah oh, exactly <laughs> yeah yeah sure peter no you wouldn't you'd be in the fucking circus that's where you'd be you freak of nature <laughs> uh, i don't like that he has a presenting job either peter crouch no no, I'm fairly Fuck certain him. Lad Bible, it was something like Lad Bible, got a question one day in the coronavirus briefings. Because I remember thinking <laughs> and sitting there going, what the fuck? Like, like if Nuts magazine yeah. all of a sudden did a report on the Chernobyl. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? Like, I understand. What? Because as far as I understood it, with the briefings, if you were any media outlet it's like it's like the way when the edinburgh festival comes along anyone can be a reviewer 
you can yeah, credit yeah, yeah. yourself and just apply to get free tickets to shows because you've suddenly decided to write a blog so you now consider yourself a reviewer. And I think that was like that with uh, with Daily Briefings. As long as you could argue the fact that you were a journalist, you could put yourself up for a question. Oh, I'd, have, I'd have loved to have seen someone from Fringe Microwave ask a question <laughs> to Chris Wick. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Walk-on music. You've picked mm. uh, Big For Your Boots by Stormzy. You're getting way too big for your boots. You're never too big for the boot. I got the big size toes on my feet. Your face ain't big for my boots. Kick up the you. Man, know that I kick up the you. Then why they try to suck the truth? How dare you to suck the truth? Look, you're getting way too big for your boots. You're never too big for the boot. I got the big size toes on my feet. Your face ain't There's a couple of things, because you're one of the first people that can I, is able to answer this question as walk-on music because the idea I had for the walk-on music question was what you would go out to if you were like a UFC fighter or a right. WWF wrestler and you you compete yeah, yeah, yeah. fighting in now how is it you say it Muay Thai uh, Muay Thai uh, Muay Thai Brazilian Jiu Jitsu yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and so what do, what, do you get to pick your own walk-on music in that no, not at lower levels. Like if you're fighting quite high level, like so, some showcases will, some won't. But because then the problem you have is everyone wants to have some big intro. Mm-hmm. So, so like at some events, like that, you won't even walk out to anything. You just walk in, like you just. It's it's so low level where I'm at. But if I the next, if I got to choose, generally, if I re- what I'd really like to walk out to for a fight is a uh, Kate Bush running up a hill. <laughs> Right up the hill. I don't really think that'd be a fucking terrifying song to walk out. Yeah. To. Like, um, but I think Stormzy. I'd have to go Stormzy. Big for your boots because it's just like I'm just gonna put my face. In my yeah, totally. Face. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like a proper I'm gonna kick you in the head song. Yeah. And because he's from the same area as me, so well, I was gonna say, yeah, you grew up in the same area as Stormzy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's really local, so. Um, so it just it just feels appropriate, but no, because because the problem you have with like if everyone can pick their music, say there's like ten, twelve fights happening, mm-hmm. like everyone's walking into something with some big, massive opening. The Polish people are going to choose some mad dance techno music <laughs> that's going to go on for far too long. Aye. Everyone from London's going to walk into some far, a rap song that's far too aggressive. So like usually usually they'll just pick the They'll just pick it, and it's. I think, you know, it's 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 because you've walked out to a fight before. Yeah, like yeah, the boxing, like. you, yeah. What, what, what did, yeah. What did you choose? Uh, I picked ACDC. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wish I'd thought about it more, uh, but I mean that's decent. Like um, ACDC is like, always a good shout for yeah. a fight. How like so? So growing up where Stormzy is, the way the way he describes Croydon in songs. Is is that is that a Croydon you've seen? Um, yeah. When I when I was at school in Croydon, uh, it was very, very hectic. Mm-hmm. It it really is. It's, it's really part of why I like you know I've got a bit about it in my act. Like I'm actually middle class, but I've got this voice because it's a survival tactic. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's you know it's not a regional twang, and that. Uh, I, I have seen. I remember at my school, man, there was a couple stabbings. 
we people just used to bring fireworks in and just let them off at floating classes like just Jesus. used to just like fire. yeah 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 there was all sorts of my school you can look this up now on uh on your like, like if you don't believe me my first school ashburton was on the front page of the south london press because there was a school riot there mm-hmm. was an actual school riot so what had happened is um a load of uh, uh when i think a lot of afghan refugees had started coming to the school but uh I don't think they were the age they were saying they were. I think like these people would turn up to the UK and like, look, I'll do the same if I was in their position because they're trying to get an education. So they were just told like they were undocumented. So they were just like told like, here's what age you just say you are when you turn up to a place and you'll go through a system. And so you'd have like blokes who were like in their mid 20s just going like, yeah, I'm 13. So they, they, they were then just there was guys in the classroom with massive beards, but we were all like, oh, well, they're from a war zone, so they've probably seen a lot of shit. So that's why that's why they got a beard, and and they ended up having a fight with a few of a, like like a few of the like sort of more harder gang kids, and like it all kicked off in like Croydon all through quite a few schools and stuff actually. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they came so they yeah these lads kicked this other lad's head in, and then the Afghans came in with uh, like cricket bats. And like smacked up a few kids, and it all just kicked off from there, really. Fucking hell. Um, yeah, man. I was on my, my road with my girlfriend Darcy one time. We go to this like uh, this food place we go to. This is the second time I've seen this. There was two lads having a fight with baseball bats, mm-hmm. like proper having it on with these bats. And uh, the way I describe Korean, Korean's fine. And there's random acts of violence, and when it happens. You've just got to get on with whatever the fuck it is you're getting on with. Yeah. Like, don't, 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 like, because, because, like, it's London violence escalates. Like, I was in a gym one time across the road from the gym. There was a stabbing as I was there. Like, now, that, that's just because there's millions of people living on top of each other. Yeah. So, you, you, you're going to get that any, in any city, in anywhere. I don't, I don't think it's down to, I think it's just down to human nature. But, whatever you can do to just don't get involved do you know what i mean Aye. just don't just don't don't try go like this because this is the thing people move to london now like south london they don't get south london so you've got these two bits of south london going on top of each other so you've got people who like are enjoying going and getting a latte and doing these things and people look i grew up in south london i do that as well now it's not just people who've moved there like i'm i i'm fully into the gentrification stuff but then you'll see something that's hood and people be like, hey, guys, why don't we just can't stab, stab, stab? Uh, and it's like, yeah, yeah, dude, don't get involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, it's just because Glasgow can be like that. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can I can fully imagine like cause I, I like I, I won't see it that much anymore, but I can fully imagine some people that come to uni at Glasgow and being being ironic and going out for a day out in the east end and just because we've got we've got a thing in glasgow um it's called it's called the sub crawl because our our, our underground systems are basically a a loop and it's got uh, i think it's 18 stations and the sub crawl is you get on a station you buy an all-day ticket um and then you get off and you go to the first pub that you come to in each station have a drink and then go back on again and there's a way you have to do it because you you have to time it when you don't want to go to the mental areas late. You want to get them in early doors. and But yeah, it's become... Right. And it's a great laugh, but it's become one of those things that 
people will do ironically and I can't even imagine what the fucking scenes must be when some when a bunch of dicks go into somewhere and govern like it must be brutal oh right yeah we uh, there's that sort of down here where it's not the same but like so I'm at my girlfriend's now in Brixton Brixton's like really nice and like saying that there was a murder outside of hers the other day <laughs> like but like but this is what I mean it's a different world yeah it's like yeah that that happened but that happened for a bit of internal politics that doesn't involve you yeah like look in Brixton you're more likely to be murdered by the police it turns out than you are anyone from fucking Brixton Aye. so so like you know but it, it it it's a different it's a different thing and when uh like I was just sort of saying to my girlfriend one time I was like look there's an area like just down the road called Loughborough I was like don't go there. Like I, I was, I, I'm not trying to do because this is the thing. Like I don't, I don't know about you, but you see, like I kind of, not that I victim blame, but when I was growing up, it was like don't walk through this estate, don't do it. And then if I walked through it and someone beat me up and robbed me, and I told my dad about it, he'd have gone, "Why'd you walk through there?" Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, what are you, what are you doing? I think there's like that kind of logic when you come from an area that's a little bit rough, which is like. Be a bit street smart. Try not to... If something happens and you're avoiding stuff, mm -hmm. then deal with it. But, you know, go learn a bit of Muay Thai. Go learn a bit of Jiu-Jitsu. But don't try to put yourself... Don't go in situations where it could go wrong. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what you're saying, where people, like, go on this pub crawl. They're going to go into a place. And when it kicks off, it's going to... It's, it's, you, you know, if, it, like if someone went... I was doing a pub crawl. And they went to this pub that I can think of just down the road in Loughborough that's rough as tits. Like, mm. it, it, it's not. And if it kicked off, I'd go, "Yeah, what were you doing in there? That's not an issue that you exactly. were in London. That was that was you went in there. Yeah, <laughs> that's your fault. But that's that's a problem with the kind of that idea of victim blaming. Whereas, like with so many arguments, the kind of nuance is lost in it, and the sensibleness is lost in it because mm. yeah, you can victim blame. You absolutely can victim blame if. If a, a girl is out on a night out, um, sorry, like, let me let me explain. Um, yeah. If if a girl's on a night out and she gets attacked, and there's that kind of well, what she wearing, that yeah, that disgusting. is victim that is victim blaming because you're yeah. going. She should be allowed to go for a night out. That was a random random attack. If yeah. you're saying to someone, "Don't go into that boozer," it's fucking mental, and you go in and like you say, somebody glasses you. You go well. You need to take some form of responsibility here. Like I am, it's not so much victim blaming; it's twat blaming because you're a twat for doing it. That's yeah, yeah. I'm not going to give you any yeah. any sympathy, but yeah, you know, Croydon, especially when I was younger, it was a little bit wild west. I've had a couple of people try rob me in recent years, and they've just, it's not even led to a fight. It's Aye. just led to me being like, dude, come on. Like some guy pulled up on a moped outside my house one time and tried to like rob me, and I was just like, mate, I was like, come on. <laughs> he was like, I was, he was just like, what, what, for, what time is it? And I went, mate, that's the oldest trick in the book because it used to be they'll ask you what time it is, you pull out your phone, and I'll be like, give me your phone. Aye. But now, but like I've had it a couple of times. Like I find like I had one where these lads came up to me and were like, what phone you got? And at the time I had like a Samsung S7. I went, I've got an S7. And they were like, oh yeah. I was like, well, if you if, if you want to take it, try take it. And they were like, oh, they they tried to save it by going, if we wanted your phone, we'd have it in it. And it was just <laughs> like, it was just like. Whereas when I was younger, I was fifteen. Mm -hmm. I also. I also have this accent, so 
I'll walk through an area and look like one of the sort of like people who've moved there and then they'll hear my voice and I'll sort of like be uh, like I'll be able to be like mate I've grown up in this area like Aye. you're not fucking getting my stuff come Aye. on and, and most of the time as well I think when people are trying to do that to you they're trying to wait for weakness seeing if you'll freeze see if you're like going oh no 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 like that then they get a feeling of power yeah uh, from it, which is what I think things are because like robbing mobile phones can't be that lucrative. No, not no. You know, and, and, like it, they're worth like the, you know they're worth fuck all. Really. Yeah, exactly. Like even if you rob a new iPhone, it's going to go for a couple hundred quid. It's yeah. Not. But Aye, that's um, why that's why whenever anyone approaches the street, I whip my dick out straight away. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what time of day it is, Dude, where that, I am. That would a hundred percent work. Yeah, I just assume that they're trying to rob me. <laughs> that would a hundred percent work if you just started getting your dick out in those situations. I <laughs> <laughs> yo, give me your phone. I'm not allowing it, bro. I, I put that away, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would totally. That would totally. <laughs> yeah. Old woman comes up and asks me for directions. I'm I'm not falling for that one. Dick out. <laughs> I, I, I had a mate. I remember we saying that it's just the most South London thing you ever saw. Was a lad get robbed for his chicken burger? Oh my <laughs> like god. A guy, like a guy actually went up to him and was like, "Give me the burger," but like all like that. And, and took this guy's burger and my mate was like it was the most South London thing I've ever seen <laughs> and I was like not even a good burger it was from like a chicken shop it was like a two quid burger <laughs> <laughs> from one of those from one of those KFC places that have just replaced uh, the first letter uh, like Al- Alaskan <laughs> fried chicken <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They don't even have chickens in Alaska. Yes, why, 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 you know, when you find yourself in a place like that, you know, when you're hammered and you walk in and you just look at the chicken on display and you go, there's no, I've taken copious amounts of drugs tonight and this is still somehow the worst thing I'm putting into my body. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, to answer your question, I say... The things that I've seen in Croydon are very minimal compared to what someone like, I imagine, Stormzy or rappers like Dave have seen where they've actually been maybe selling drugs or in gangs or things like that. But I I knew people at school whose lives were a little bit like that. And as I got older, I very, there there was like, I had a mate who was uh, quite sort of in gangs and stuff growing up. But we were friends because we both used to play an online game called RuneScape, which was mm. just like a shitter version of World of Warcraft. But this lad would uh, treat RuneScape the same way he'd treat drug dealing. <laughs> like he'd he'd talk about it hustling in the same way. So he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm getting my hustle on when we play later, man. I'm gonna go mine this ore, then I'm gonna smelt that, then I put that on a grand exchange, and that the pee that I bring in from that." And he'd talk about it in the exact same way, like he'd talk about like selling crack. Wow. It was, it was really funny. It was quite. It was, but it was quite interesting seeing someone be that business minded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then, but then, but then, sort of, sort of. As I got older, I went to like uh, the college I went to was a bit more middle class. It was a bit more like I wouldn't say middle class as in like a term of it was in a bad term or anything. It was a bit more like instead of people selling drugs, these people would take. You know, instead of people who would sell MDMA these people would take MDMA. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That was Aye. kind of the difference. It was much nicer. It was a much nicer, calmer environment. Aye. And uh, and then I sort of like distanced myself from all people like that. I was just kind of like, ooh, okay, let's, you know, these these people are a lot more chill. Aye. And I, I was trying to be someone I wasn't as well. That was the thing when you hang out with people mm. like that. 
I don't know about you, but you meet someone who's like hard or something, and you're like, oh wow, man. Maybe I, if I hang out with them, I'll magically come hard. But that's not how it works. It's not how it happens. <laughs> um, just to talk about Storms, because I, I don't, I'm not, not listened to a huge amount of grime, uh, to be honest. Um, it's, it's, it's very watered down now, drill music and stuff. Oh, it's not watered down. I find it a little bit, I might sound a little bit Daily Mail-y here. I find when I'm listening to songs about someone's talking about how they're going to go stab someone, I really think it's part of the problem with knife crime. Is mm-hmm. that it's like I think like well yeah you're talking about you're making money through drug dealing and stabbing people. There's going to be people listening to this who idolise you. Yeah. You're promote you're promoting it. Uh, that's not to go like you don't have the right to do it. Like as an artist, I think you have the right to do whatever. But I don't f- I I don't feel comfortable with a lot of it, with especially with all the stabbings and stuff that are going on. I do think I I do think of course there's socio economical and political stuff that's more to blame. But I don't think it helps. Yeah, I mean, I fully understand how massive culturally Stormzy is now, especially with, yeah. with, with Headline Glastonbury. And what I didn't know that this song, right? This song was uh, the I don't know if she, I don't know if she's still your your MP, but uh, the Labour MP for Croydon Central when uh, when they got elected uh, and their maiden speech in Parliament quoted this song and. <laughs> Because each speech has to be written down and logged, basically Stormzy is now logged forever in the Houses of Parliament. That's insane. It's just yeah. ridiculous. He, yeah. he he's he's like the one who's made that jump from being keeping it gangster, but also being mainstream. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? him, him, Dave? Uh, like, there's a few. There's guys I like, like Gets and stuff as well. I really like Gets. But uh, I think he's the one who made that jump to like, basically he could be a judge on X Factor Aye. if they brought it back. Do you know what I mean? He's like that kind of, he, the, the, he'll go the same way, you know, like Ice Cube. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's now family friendly, but he used to sing about, he didn't have to use his AK. Yeah. Like he used to rap about gnarly stuff. If you listen to those first NWA, uh, that, uh, that straight out of Compton album, that's a that's a pretty gnarly album. Oh god, yeah. The only the only thing I've got with this song is the way Stormzy says boots. <laughs> He's got a weird way of saying boots. He says boots. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I get big for your boot. Make, and like, it, what the it, fuck? It's, like, he's got to make it rhyme, hasn't he? You got to get the belly right. <laughs> I love that in a song, like especially in rap music, they'll do a thing where they'll be like a word, and you go, "That's not how you say that." Oh wait, oh right, you had to rhyme it. That, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, right. Uh, Right, next song, best song from a film. Uh, I'm surprised at this. Uh, Another Way to Die by Jack White and Alicia Keys. Do you like uh, do you like Bond films? Um, yeah, kind of. There, you know what you're gonna get with them. I like the newer ones. I find if I watch the older ones, they're a bit too cheesy. The same way if I watch like the old Batman movies, mm-hmm. like after you after the Nolan Batman trilogy, 
it's hard to go back and watch a Batman trilogy where it's a bit cheesy. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I find that with Bond films as well. Yeah, like the, the going prison back on time, it's just like there's what's that one where he's like dressed in safari gear and he ends up in a circus? Octopussy. Yeah, it's and like, just things like it tells just... it tells a tiger to sit. <laughs> right yeah unbelievable things that... Absolutely. <laughs> it's also it's also it's also get one of the because there's a lot of things i love but i love bond films a lot yeah. it's one of my favorite things but there is a lot of it where you look back and go oh jesus like there's that <laughs> film, he's properly racist in that film because like a lot of it a lot of it that starts set in india he, he, like his driver he gives he gives his driver money that he's won at the casino and basically says, that'll keep you in curry. And you're like, what? <laughs> no need for it. I know. But, like, just... uh, but, yeah. uh, but that, that's the that's the thing with Bond is, uh, is that he's, uh, you know, like the new films now, they're going to have to like woke it up a bit for it to like work in Hollywood. Yeah. Like for it, for it to be that, because you can't really make, you can't really make the Bond film that you would need to make now, which is like, this is a really sad man who harasses women no, to deal no. with the way that that he's killed a load of people and he just blindly works for his government. You've got to keep the mirage of his James Bond and he's really cool up. So they're going to have to find a way to do that now, which I, I just think it's, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, I, I do I do worry about that because they've got um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag into, like, kind of punch up the script. Oh right, okay, yeah. Going, I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want Bond halfway through breaking the fourth wall. Do you know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> just like, just like, going, uh, just like going. I've got a license, and then turn at the camera, going to get fucked up the arse. You know, like I don't want <laughs> with a knowing wink. You know, like. Alright, I don't make it feminist by b- b- Bond getting pegged. What turn around for the character what, that would be? <laughs> Because that's, 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 that's the problem. You can't... The whole point of James Bond is he's... He's what guys think they want to be. Yeah, he's a fantasy so figure, he, yeah. He's a fantasy. He drives an Aston Martin. He wears a, a mega watch that shoots a laser. Yeah. He kills people. And then he drinks alcohol and sleeps with gorgeous women. Mm-hmm. But those are all the things now that you're not meant to want to be. Exactly, you, yeah. you, if you want to be that... You're part of the problem, mm-hmm. so they're now going to have to make the film. <laughs> Bond's, Bond's, you know, Bond's, Bond's worked on himself. <laughs> He's in yeah. therapy. <laughs> yeah. Vodka martini? No, can I get it? Vodka slimline, please. Yeah. It's just, I'm, I'm watching my wages now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, shaking not so. However, you want to make it, mate. You've had a really long evening. It can see you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman in your room for you, Mister Bond. Oh, okay, well I'll tell you what. Could you could you send up a extra pair of p- pillows? I'm going to sleep on the sofa, then <laughs> she can take the bed. <laughs> Driving an electric car, <laughs> <laughs> having to stop halfway through a chase to charge it. <laughs> Protesting outside a casino for glamorising gambling. <laughs> 
no, he actually, he actually, when he's dealing with the African warlord, he's uh, he actually really helps them out actually and teaches them a load of stuff that they can use and uh, and doesn't <laughs> use violence on the soldiers. It's really good. He really just unites a couple of tribes in the Democratic Republic of Congo and te- teaches them that actually it was Belgium who drew up these ethnic lines anyway, and they shouldn't be. <laughs> Uh, really, that's the real enemy. It was King Leopold II. Like, that's when, when we're all going to be in the cinema going, what, what kind of Bond film is this? <laughs> shoot, shoot the African warlord and then someone's going to cancel you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I just, I just remembered this. There was something you said when you were talking about... Um... The, the kind of violence at your school and you were talking about those Afghan kids that came and then you were saying they were all sitting there with beards and you were like, well, they must have seen some shit. I love the, <laughs> I love the idea of the thought that <laughs> testosterone comes with trauma. Just like, just like some guy going, just seen my dad got murdered. Oh, and turns out I've got a goatee now as well. <laughs> Oh, uh, the Americans! The Americans drone strike my village, but on the plus side, check out these sideburns. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be able to get into the club. Oh no, the Taliban have shut it down, haven't they? <laughs> <you? laughs> we generally at school were just like they was like they all seem because because I'm not just saying like. People coming into the country are doing that. I'm not trying to go say any of that. Let me just make that clear. But, mm-hmm. like, I would do the same if you're, like, a 20-year-old who's going to a country with a really good education system. And it's like, look, if you get an education here, you can go to university, you can become a doctor, you could do all of these things. It's going to be a lot easier for you if you say you're this age than if you just be 20 and you can't speak the language. That's It's going to clearly be easier for you, and they're going to take you in. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that happened. Um, but yeah, they all, they all turned up like looking a lot older and we were all, nobody, nobody wanted to say anything because we were all just like, oh, they probably, they've come from a war zone. Yeah. You know, they've, they'll they have seen some stuff, but no, it just, just turns out they were their age. <laughs> <laughs> right. It has been uh, a cracking chat so far. So let's see if we can get through the next one. A song that makes you happy and... I would say this with through gritty teeth, you have picked Three Lions by Bedeal and Skinner and the Lightning Seeds. It's a fantastic song. Uh, whenever... It, it, it's only sort of, I think, in recent World Cups and Euros, I see it becoming as big a meme as it ever has been as well. Because mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a great irony with Three Lions. Like, I really think it captures what it is to be English at a football tournament, that you know it's going to go but wrong. Arrogant. It's not arrogant, though, because it's about <laughs> it going wrong. It's about, right, all right, let, let me just say this, right, because I've been prepared for this. Uh-huh. Scotland embarrassed themselves just as much at international football tournaments. You came down to London, you smashed a load of glass, you walked into mopeds, you started doing flips on tubes and just hitting people who were commuting back from work after a busy day. You had no interest in the football whatsoever. Yes. But you but the thing with England, the but reason we, did we it with imp- charm. No, you don't. No, here's the thing. 
Here's the thing with England. The reason we embarrass ourselves constantly with our fans is because we're actually there. You lot just hadn't qualified for anything in 27 years. So you didn't have the opportunity to show that you... The reason Scottish people hate English people, this, here's the reason why, I know whatever it is, it's because we're the same and you don't want to admit it, right? There's a psychological phenomenon where you hate... What you hate in people, you'll hate people who, reckon, who remind you of yourself and things that you hate about yourself, right? right? That's the people you hate the most. That's why Scottish people hate the English, because we remind you of you. That's why. And that, that, that's what it is. We're the same. You go up to Glasgow, the drinking culture and everything is the same as it is in England. Scotland and England, the only reason they're, 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 they're just, we're just different because people decide countries are a thing. Everyone in Britain is, is the same person, realistically. You go to any town, you go to any place, it's kind of the same. And that's that's why that's why Scottish people hate the English because you're like, oh, we're not like those bastards. Those bastards do this, this, and this. Not like us, where we do this, this, and this. And it's like that. That's not enough difference. I think you're. I think you're, you're massively overegging Scottish people hating English people. I don't think it exists. Um, I think it is. It is huge. I'm telling you, as an English person, I, well, there, I, I don't. I personally don't like the fact that if that exists then it does exist i don't like you're the main you're the main one no 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 (laughs) i that this is minus purely football right but that's still that's still hating us yes football 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 is english identity like you think of like like you think of like any uh, that's why like train spotting and irving welsh irving world captures like football so perfectly is like it is whatever your culture is in it in britain like where you're from like the football team is an important thing that's like religion yeah no i don't expect someone from glasgow to take football so seriously to be fair but But (laughs) i the way i can explain my uh so for 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 a month for a month every two years when england get to a, a, a tournament and we inevitably don't the reason there is a, a wanting of England to lose is <clears throat> it's very, very... Certainly in this tournament, it was nothing to do with the team. Uh, in past tournaments, absolutely, there were hateful figures within the team. Oh, yeah, that, that's a team with John Terry in it. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's very, very, very yeah, easy yeah. to dislike. It certainly wasn't anything to do with the manager, Gar Southgate's a cracking, cracking guy. A cracking guy. Um the media play a huge amount. Um, by... Yeah, but the media, the media now, like I think, because of social media, it's very clear that English people don't even care about what the media says. No, because it's it's all. I mean, and 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 listen, it's 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 meant to elicit a reaction, which we fall for every single time. I fall for it every single time. There was like an article that the Sun did about uh, when we announced our squad. And they basically called them nobodies. Nobody had ever heard of them. And I reacted uh, but, to it. But if you read the article, it wasn't even calling them nobodies. It was just explaining who everyone was, and they ran with that Aku headline. Yeah, that's of all. Because they, they, they need to do a pun because it's the sun. Yeah, like, but like nobody reads the sun. No, I know, I know, and that's that's why I'm saying I shouldn't react to it because it, it, it's it's put out there to elicit a reaction. Um, mm. The reason that Scottish fans. Um, have such a problem with English, the England 
national team is because we're and, and and this is the Welsh and the Northern Irish as well. It's because we are the only countries in the world that have to watch coverage from another country. We don't have our own coverage, so that's why we have to sit through mostly and quite rightly because it's like Austria. If Austria, when Austria were qualifying, they weren't watching German television covering the games, talking mm. about the German team, whereas Scotland fans and Welsh fans had to watch what but should covered- be. But the coverage, like even this year, like I was watching a game and out of nowhere they gave an interview. There was an interview with Steve Clark during halftime. Like, yeah, but, they, you can't. but 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 because but, but like this is the thing. Like after you lost, after Scotland lost two 0 where Stick scores from fifty yards out mm-hmm. at the end of the game, the Scottish punditry is there going, "Oh, well, another day it could have been two two. Oh, well, and it was like I was going, "This is like," and I, I, I will admit, English punditry is biased. It's completely biased most of the time. Yeah, but but any nations is so when everyone starts going oh the english punditry is ridiculous it's like dude watch a game in, in learn italian watch an italian game i bet you i can guarantee if you if you're in another country most countries when a world cup's on most countries don't give a shit about the other team playing unless it's them we're a footballing nation so you can have you can have you know nigeria v uh, uruguay on and everyone in a pub is watching it and is invested mm-hmm. Right, that that's that's because we're a real we're a proper footballing nation. Like we, we, everyone here will watch that. But a lot of other countries, they they don't they they don't care about those games. They only care about the games that they're in. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is, right? You can't you can't tell me that the BBC's coverage was completely across the board equal between Scotland, England, and Wales. Well, no, it wasn't equal because we were in far more games. No, but right at the start, we, if, you, if, you looked, if, you, the if you looked, if you looked at the makeup of the in-studio pundits and presenters, Scotland were given maybe two token people, Wales the same, and then the rest was made because up. Because who of, gives? Because what great Scottish players are there? Like, do you know what I mean? Do I want to listen to some guy who played for Aberdeen? Well, come yeah, in but, and talk yeah, about the n- World no, Cup. But now you're like, just... or do I, or do I want to listen to someone who you know who plays in the frame? But now like you're just that's... proving. Now you're just proving my point. Well, yeah, but then all right, your, your point's proved. But uh, you'd agree with me on that. Do I want to listen to someone who come in and be like, "Hey, you ain't well the thing when you're playing at this level." <laughs> when you play, what the fuck do you know about playing at this level? You played for Rangers. You have one. You have three big games a season against one other team. That can that can win it, and the rest of the feet. That, that's not playing at this level. Or do I want to listen? I, I look. They, uh, they have Vieira in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they they'll have. Oh, I don't. Mind, I don't say their players have to be English. I'm not saying have World Cup winners in there. You're not going to have any English. Any you know have players who've won the Euros. You're not going to have any English pundits. Mm-hmm. But just have have something where the quality is going to be. They know what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't think Danny Murphy should be a pundit. He had nine caps for England. No, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't think he. But I'm not going to listen to some Scottish pundit or some Welsh pundit who like they're like, oh yeah, they played in a qualifier several years ago, and then they're going to be there saying, telling, talking about what people have to do at left back. It's like no, 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 you didn't play at that level, so you don't <laughs> get a commentate on it. That's that's my point. Uh huh. Uh huh. But the sad, I don't like. I, I certainly don't agree with you that there's a there's a there's a hatred. No, there is a message. I'll tell you what it is with Scotland, right? 
I don't think Scottish people realise this. I think Scottish people think it's banter to hate the English people. Mm-hmm. They also don't realise they're educated. This is the other thing that I that I just don't get about Scotland, right? Don't get about it. Is everything's like, oh, England with your colonial past and all it, and you're like, I, I beg your pardon. Half of Glasgow's streets are named after slavers. Oh God! And and also. It's it's like this thing where it's like, oh, God, because you lot came and invaded us. And it's like, well, yeah, you tried to invade us during the Black Plague and then failed and then took the Black Plague back to Scotland. Like, that's what happened back then. People invaded each other. It don't was bring, a brutal don't bring in historical facts into this. <laughs> but this is the thing. It's like as an English person. It's like if I meet an English person who doesn't know the history of the British Empire, I feel like I'm speaking to a moron mm-hmm. who doesn't know what they're talking about. When I meet a Scottish person or see Scottish people just talking about like, oh, oh, the history, like, because England, England came and tried to evade us and, and all of this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah. And that, and then what happened during the British Empire? We invaded everywhere and committed the acts of atrocities as some of the people doing that were and Scottish monarchs mm-hmm. like what are you what are you on about nobody's you can't act like you're, you're holier than thou yeah oh listen there's a there's a full like the, the Scottish mentality is that um, a lot of it's to do with self-loathing uh, which is why we have this rivalry with England um, but we're not we don't even it's not even a rivalry to us no I know it's not a rivalry to I know it's not a rivalry to you uh, which is another thing that makes it so so pointless. But um, <laughs> it really is. But it's, it's like, like it's like the rivalry that nil nil. But like it's like the rivalry you have with Germany. Germany, don't have, Germany don't have a right. Germany couldn't give a shit about England. No, but they've they've got a lot of enemies. Germany, right? So it, it, like Germany, you know, <laughs> so we all you. know the big, we all know we all know the big ones. Germany is real. No one's going to mention it, but Germany Israel game of football will be tasty. <laughs> Right, and Israel's rivals Palestine, and they don't even know it. Do you know what I mean? Everyone yeah, has a yeah. rival. Everyone has a rival where they're like, because you don't, you don't realize what you did to that country. Yeah. So, like, so that's why Germany's like England. What? Yeah. <laughs> We're like because of the war, and they're like, you're still mad about that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. We, did it. we, we just dropped a few that's... bombs on you. We, we literally killed so many Dutch people. It was, it was. Yeah. You know, but that's the pettiness of football rivalries that's uh england argentina is a great rivalry i think that's a wonderful rivalry because there's no need there's no need yeah exactly there's no need for us to be rivals no exactly exactly (laughs) the old the old the old belgrano derby Six thousand miles away. That's how much of a cunt England are. Yeah. We've got we've got rivals six thousand miles away, where it's a fucking blood game. <laughs> <laughs> They're in a different hemisphere. <laughs> um, I I genuinely do like the song. Um, it's a brilliant. I song. think it is the best football song ever written because it is oh. it is about. What is what it is being a football fan, which is ninety yeah. percent of the time you will lose, yeah, um, and it will be devastating. And uh, it's it's sung with an irony as well. That's why when the rest of the world are like going like, oh, but it's never come home, or why is it? Come? It's like, oh, you're not, you're missing the I irony think, of this song. I think initially it was written as an ironic song, but I don't think that exists anymore. 
Well, it doesn't exist anymore because we're starting to do well. It That's doesn't exist anymore it. because the, the reason it was the reason that the It's Coming Home line was there was because you were hosting the fucking tournament. It was never about. It's now it's now taken on this. It's coming home. Football's co- like the trophy's coming home. We're going to win it. That was never the initial intention of the song. It was because you were hosting Euro '96. Yeah, but we invented football. No, we didn't. See, that's that's <laughs> another lie. Right. Yeah, but, but even even if we did, it, we did. You, invented, Do you know what I mean? We invented what? fucking football. If you really you want to get into it. Oh, sure, sure, you did. Oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. You, okay, you, I'm sure. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot fucking McMillan or whatever this bastard will be called. Uh, it, was, it was meant to be kicking a pig home and one day accidentally knocked it into a net and dust exactly. in, in, in the village of McNulty. Exactly. There it was. It was created, the great game. But then the English came and they murdered them all and stole See, our game. Right, if, And that's, that'll be this tale you're all told. If we, hadn't, if we hadn't been there, you'd be hosting Euro 96 of just aimlessly kicking a pig around with no end to it. The endless pig kicking contest. We'll just still somehow be rivals with Argentina. Yeah. Do, you remember, do you remember Maradona's hand of pig? Oh, that bastard. Oh, cried, cried for weeks. There's a, there's a really cool fact. Uh, you know you know the start of the song with the, the crowd noise? Yeah. Where where do you think that what, what what crowd do you think that is? I think that was at uh, Heisel just before the collapse. No, it was at. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine that's where it was from. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Imagine they kept it in. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 but it's good. Oh, b- before it all collapsed, they sounded really happy. Like, <laughs> well, you, no one's gonna know. <laughs> uh, it's actually Brondby fans. Yeah, Ian Brody of the Lightning Seeds recorded them. Uh, they were playing, they were playing Liverpool Anfield in a UEFA Cup game, and they recorded them because oh. it's impossible to get any atmosphere at any English matches now. So, mm, I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry, they're not all singing up the raw like they are. At, at least, at, they are itself. At least it's an it's a, <laughs> at least it's an atmosphere. Really. Sorry. It's a horrible, sectarian atmosphere <laughs> full of hatred and bile, but at least it's an atmosphere. They're not, they're not cheering for terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I think we got through that. Um, yeah, that was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. When I, when, I put the, when I put the Spotify playlist together, there are the, the, some of the juxtapositions are incredible on your uh, playlist. <laughs> Thank you. So, from Three Lions, we've got the best cover version ever, which is Zombie by Miley Cyrus. She's fantastic, Miley Cyrus. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Miley Cyrus. I think she's, she's absolutely fantastic, cracking singer, and she's a cracking. She seems like a cracking laugh as well. Yeah, she seems like she'd be good fun on a night out, doesn't she? Because I would never have picked. Like if if you'd have told me years ago, when Miley Cyrus was Hannah Montana, that she would be doing a, she would be doing a song about the Warrington bombing. 
You know, I, <laughs> fuck, I'm Mr. Hartley. Jesus. <laughs> uh, a really dark episode of Hannah Montana, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This week, Hannah, Hannah visits a paramilitary cramp. And... <laughs> but, she's, but luckily, but luckily, it's really into Hannah Montana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she sings best of both worlds. And they just, they just love it. <laughs> uh, next one, um, you've kind of already mentioned this already, but the best live song you've ever seen, uh, "Killing in the Name" by Rage Against the Machine. It's just one of the it's just one of the best songs ever, isn't it? Where did you see them? I saw them at Hyde Park. Oh fucking yes. Yeah, yeah, I was like fourteen, it was like the first gig I went to. Do you know why that gig was put on? Yeah, because they got got the Christmas number one. Yeah, yeah. It was like a yeah. was it free? I think it was a free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was free, like a thank you to the people of Britain because yeah. there'd, there'd been this campaign and I and I think <clears throat> it was just a couple. Like it was yeah, just... yeah. My, well, my dad knew him quite well. Like, my dad like wrote about it and like was one of the first people in like the press to go like, yeah, do this. Oh wow! So they knew the people that started the campaign. Yeah, it was just like a couple, and they just they just thought it'd be funny to start like a Facebook group, and then it came like this big like fuck Simon Cowell thing. Yeah, it's incredible because it was a bit because like for years I think it was the X Factor I don't know if it, it was still Paul yeah, yeah it was no it was the X Factor that just number one was always some cunt yeah it was going to be it was going to be it was Joe McKeldry that year well we really robbed the world of a, <laughs> of a truly great number one you know now I wonder I wonder who he's playing in Panto in Uxbridge this year <laughs> Oh, God, it's so sad. Do you ever do those gigs where you turn up and there'll be like a post of a panto and it'll be like Matt Hardle or someone who's Matt Hardle or whoever it is, yeah. one, like, one like an X Factor, and you go, oh, you poor bastard, you were probably promised the world. Yeah. My favourite one is uh, Steve Brookstein. That one, I don't know who that is. He was like the kind of older guy. I think he's the only one in like the kind of overs category that has ever won it. Uh, but he... He's got a real, a real beef with Simon Cowell. He claims shit went on in the show, but he's become like this proper, not con- not quite full conspiracy theorist, but like a real mad bastard on Twitter. <laughs> he's like the guy, the drummer from the Cores. Oh you yeah, follow, you ever follow him, Jim Core on Twitter? Oh, but I don't think, I, yeah. He's like proper I'll... David Icke kind of shit. I love it when someone just goes nuts on Twitter, don't they? Oh God, it's incredible. Just, just out of nowhere, you're like, oh, I wonder what that person from uh, from the American Pie films up to now, and then all of a sudden you see they're doing <laughs> YouTube videos talking about how Muslims are coming to <laughs> destroy America, and you go, what? What the fuck happened? <laughs> you like, fucked Steffler's mom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yo, <laughs> did nobody around you like? <laughs> just go, hey man, let's just rank. Maybe, maybe keep that view to yourself. You know, <laughs> don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't tweet that. <laughs> I've seen, uh, I've seen rage loads of times, um, yeah. and live they are just. I, I saw them at Tina Park, and they headlined 
And it was after they hadn't played live for years. And uh, I remember, again, it was like one of those things where you were talking about, we're going to see the Chemical Brothers. A lot of my pals that I was there with went to see something else. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. And they, they'd had an all right time. And I came back to the tent like I'd lost my shirt. I was just fucking oh, walking about with ripped trousers. Just had the absolute time of my life. Well, did you go on your own to rage? Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, just I'm properly... Got into it, it was when you could still crowd surf as well. So I just just got right into it and got battered. Oh, it was amazing. Oh, I mean, uh, Atena Park looks like the festival to me, the, the, the festival I'd least like to do. <laughs> <laughs> Every single year when Tina Park happened... Uh, that field became the third most populated place in Scotland. <laughs> oh wow! It's like it's like unbelievable. Wasn't the slam tent was the big like that's the famous tent? The slam tent, yeah, yeah, the dance yeah, tent. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just just utter mayhem. From like I know people that would go and not leave that tent the entire weekend. Oh, brilliant! They would just oh. go in there the full. I know people that wouldn't leave their own fucking tent for the whole weekend. Carl Donnelly's got the greatest story, if you ever get him on this, about where it, ask him about the year he did Glastonbury and didn't see one band. <laughs> Amazing. He just didn't see any bands. He just... <laughs> 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 and he, and he, he tells it with such pride. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, before we move on, uh, there's two great things, because this, this song has got, like, the best swearing in it in any song. Oh yeah, fuck uh, you, I do you tell Yeah, that. so the word fuck said like <laughs> 17 times. Um, when it was first released, Bruno Brooks played the uncensored version on like the afternoon show on Radio 1. <laughs> and it just went right through. <laughs> but an even better one, and I didn't know this until I read up about it. In 2008, an Asda in Preston got closed down because someone played it over the tannoy. <laughs> Why did, they have to, why did they have to close it down? I don't know. I think just, the complaints were so great. Just, just, just wait. Just wait for the song to end. I, I think it. I. I, I just have oh, amazing hilarious. visions of like people in there at the fish counter, and then just <laughs> just like looking up and going, "What is that? Is that man screaming, motherfucker?" Like that was that's the moment you know in Shawshank when he locks himself <laughs> in the office. <laughs> And he played, and all, all the prisoners are there, like looking on. Yeah. Just, just some cunt working on it. Oh, who could catch me at number seven? Just wiping a tear from his eye. And he, and he, and he's going, Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> right, next one uh, Guilty Pleasure. Uh, gimme, gimme, gimme by ABBA. Do you like ABBA? Ah, uh, I hate that I do. do it, like, because uh, I hate that I do like them. Like, I'm not like, I don't listen to them or anything. But, like, mm. if it comes on, I find myself, you know, when someone comes on and you're out and you find that you really enjoy that song. Yeah. And you can't really hide it from everyone. That's gimme, gimme, gimme. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with liking ABBA. It's very, it's very cool to hate them. I wish I was cool enough to hate them. Yeah, but I, I do. I, there, there's a cool fact about them. You know that they're like in the ABBA museum. There's the phone, and one of the guys just every now and then from ABBA just rings, rings up and has a chat with who's ever just in the really? museum. Yeah, yeah. He'll just like ring it up and be like, "Hey, what's going on with you?" Like, and just has a chat with him. That's and amazing. he's like, "Yeah, yeah." There's just a phone, and every now and then he calls. <laughs> wow, that's really <laughs> cool. That's a chat, yeah. Um, this song um, is really, really loved by techno DJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of where I know it from. Yeah, it's the, 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 the violin in it. Yeah, it's the, the kind of the the, the way that the way the tune's put together is kind of the beginnings of techno, bizarrely. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I mentioned however, like, well, to like pop music, mm. like were the sort of pioneers of it, really. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the film Mamma Mia? I tried. I'm. I'm not that into them. Like, I'm not gonna watch that shite. <laughs> I've. Uh, it's. You a, know what I mean? It's a watch. It's um. It's cheesy beyond belief, but. It's worth watching, even even if you just Google uh, or YouTube the clip of Pierce Brosnan singing. Singing, yeah, I know, I know, I've seen it. It it's is incredible. The, that that, and we're full circle back to Bond embarrassing himself. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it, yeah. I've never, I've never seen anyone, I've never seen anyone sing like they're taking a shit before. <laughs> it's. It's fascinating watching how much he grimaces in every single syllable. It's amazing. He really does star in a lot of like just shit now, doesn't he, Pierce? Pierce Brosnan. You see that? You see that film called the? the, What's it called? I think it's called The Chinaman with Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, and he plays uh, Jerry Adams. He plays Jerry Adams. (laughs) I put the film on, but it's like deeply like political about ireland i didn't realize like how irish political it was going to be yeah but then they've gone right well to keep this entertaining every now and then jackie chan's just going to pop up out of nowhere and fuck him up a little bit yeah for 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 a reason i can't really like i don't really understand what the jackie chan storyline is doing in this film it's it's like, at the start of it got, his, his daughter gets his daughter's yeah. going to buy a prom dress yeah, and then she di- yeah no no I get I get that and then she dies because of a IRA bombing that he sanctioned yeah. right, but so you think the film's going to be like a Liam Neeson Taken kind of film, mm-hmm. but then it isn't. It comes very very like and here's the politics of Ireland, and yeah. it's like that's not why I'm watching this. I'm watching this for the Jackie. So that now I'm watching this political film. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we better have five minutes of Jackie Chan fucking up Jerry Adams. <laughs> and you go, what? Why? Why is this? Who wrote and it's, this? It's, it's old. Like, it's, like, it's old Jackie Chan as well. Old, so he can't move as quick anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's like if someone's written this very political Irish film, taking it to a producer and going, look, Netflix have come back. What they're looking for is... <laughs> is a film where Jackie Chan beats people up. So I don't know if you can somehow write that in. And they're like, well, it was more meant to be like a sort of the wind that shook the barley, like kind of, you know, we're going to be making points about what's going on. And like, no, they're not going to take it unless Jackie Chan comes in and fucks someone up at some point. So they're going, all right, fuck it. Jackie Chan is going to come in and fuck someone up. And it, <laughs> it just seems like what it is. 
See, uh, see during that scene where they discuss the merits of the Good Friday Agreement, <laughs> could you get Jackie Chan to throw a man through a barrel of watermelon? <laughs> the, the weirdest part of the film is uh, at the end when Hannah Montana pops up and sings The Fields of Ass and Rye. That... <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't know you know it's a boat bus and you come out you black and tan. Right, uh, next song. A song that reminds you of a moment or a place. Uh, Ready to start by Arcade Fire. Oh yeah, Glastonbury. Glastonbury, excellent. Yeah, so I saw them at Glastonbury. I sort of knew them a little bit, but yeah, I had a, had a wonderful time watching them. I was with Carl Donnelly, actually. Oh, um, that was one at the time Carl went to see That was Carl actually decided to, to bother watching some music. But yeah, no, no it, was, it was just wonderful. It was just uh, my first really good at festival experience. Did you do it? Did you do the gig? No. The, oh, the gig Glastonbury, yeah. yeah. I've never told you about this. No. That's why I'm not that back. Um, right, well, tell it now. Uh, I was I was like 16 or 17. And for some reason, my agent, like, so I was doing the main comedy stage, ate shit. And then for some reason, my agent, Danny, was like, oh, right, well, we got to get him as much stage time as possible. So I was doing all these other gigs, not for any money. Just my agent was like, you need to gig and gig and gig uh, to get good. So I was doing like, a show, two shows at the cabaret tent and then two shows at these other tents, right? And I was doing the shows and one night I was out, like I was out playing and then cabaret tent. I'm like, all right, as long as you're here by like 1.30, it's fine. So I had to trek across Glastonbury and go to the cabaret tent. And like the audience were nice. They just didn't want to see a 17 who wasn't very good at, a 17 year old who's not very good at stand up come mm. on and do some stand up after there's just been like a load of burlesque and stuff. <laughs> so I was just kind of on and I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't dying. They were nice. They were just like, oh, this is nice. And I was just talking about the amount of people on drugs and stuff. And I went, well, with the way this is going, I'm not going to be honest. I'd rather just be doing some drugs now. And like, he got a laugh. And this guy came out from the front row and opened up a, like a baggie and was like, lick your finger and take, do a dab. So I did it like while I was on stage. <laughs> oh, right. And I just did it. And the place went nuts. And like the guy there wasn't happy because not only am I like, not old enough to not be drinking i've now just taken like a class a drug <laughs> on stage and then it, for years i wasn't sure why i hadn't been booked back and like someone went to me mate when you were 17 you took mdma on stage in front of everyone like they're not they're not having you back <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah you can't come back <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> I, I, I was like, that's totally fair. Absolutely fair enough. Uh, I, uh, I do a lot of those kind of cabaret gigs at the Fringe, and it, it's the wheeling. <laughs> you never feel so at a place. Like, yeah. you can, you give, they've, they've just watched a woman popping balloons off herself, <laughs> and then yeah. you go on going, so anybody got any kids? or <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, but I was like 17 as well. So my, I wasn't even fucking... I wasn't good at stand-up. I didn't have any bits. Yeah. It, I was just like... I was just there. <laughs> and the audience... They, like, God bless them. They were perfectly polite. Yeah. They, but, yeah. I, I've never I've never had a crowd go as nuts as when I took MDMA on stage. Like, the place went <laughs> wild. And then, and then I continued to bomb for the next five minutes. Well... Well, I say bomb, not in the MMA. I've continued to just, just not be shit. <laughs> this eruption, and and then all the comics had found out as well, um, so it just spread through the festival like God, a, the MMA on stage. Like if if the if I was in the crowd, I'd have encouraged you to stay on before it started to kick in and then see what see what happened. Oh, I did a fair. I did a fair bit of it as well. It's like absolute sound bastard. It just came out. And proper light just walked up to the stage, popped it open, and then I just did it. It's amazing. <laughs> and just continued. And then was like, so anyway, so at school one time, this guy. <laughs> yeah, enough about how the Afghan kids had beards. Uh... <laughs> Fuck yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too long after that. Like it was, but yeah, I because mean, that was it. I was with Kai Humphreys. We were, we were actually we were hanging. That was it. The reason I know I got that's the reason why. We, me and Kai are in New York together, and we were like talking about gigs, and we were like we were at the comedy cellar. Kai had just been on a comedy cellar. We sat down having a chat, and Kai was talking about then Glastonbury, and I was like, Matt, it's fucking. I don't understand why I'm not being booked book for Glastonbury, and he went, mate. You took class A drugs? I wasn't even there and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's uh, Amazing. Uh, right, Hidden Gem. Uh, you've picked Ghost Song by Jim Morrison. A vast radiant beach and a cool jeweled moon. Couples naked race down by its quiet side. And we laugh like soft, mad children smug in the woolly cotton brain. Yeah, I don't know, I come to think of it, I don't know if it is a hidden gem. I, well, I'd never heard it. It's great though, isn't it? It's really good. Um, yeah. It's because it's not, it's not really, it's not a Jim Morrison album and it's not a Doors album because he no. died by this point. Yeah, they just have a load of his poetry. Yeah, they basically, they got together again, the Doors, and released, they basically put music to a book of his poetry um, and uh, it kind of got met with different reactions um, they, <laughs> some people said it's alright, some people said uh, yeah it's pretty good um, their long time producer uh, a man called Paul A. Rothschild he said that the album was the rape of Jim Morrison <laughs> so <laughs> really think, sitting I... on the fence with it there Jim <laughs> extreme reaction like a, what do you think of those Star Wars prequels what did I think of the Star Wars prequels well you might as well I throat fucked Yoda in front of me it 
It's his poetry. I know it's He's like responsible for they just provided some backing track. <laughs> exactly, I know. <laughs> 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 like if they'd, if they'd taken his poetry and got someone to like, I don't know, fart behind it, you'd go, yeah, it's a bit disrespectful, the man's poetry, but they just put class music behind it. <laughs> if they decided, if they decided that his poetry, his poetry was actually, they were just going to get rid of it and just sing, there ain't no black in the union jack <laughs> and claim that was Jim Morrison. <laughs> then you could go, oh, that was against everything he stood for. This is, this is the... Ra- <laughs> uh. Right. Your fa- one of your favourite songs now. Now I texted you earlier on before we recorded this, saying we could pretty much have talked about this uh, yeah. for the whole of the podcast. Uh, you've picked "Gimme Shelter" by the Rolling Stones. It's just, it's just the best song ever made, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite songs. I think it's, I think it's just a perfect, perfect song. It's easily the best Stones song as well. I think I, I agree. I, I really got into the Stones when I saw a Martin Scorsese documentary about them, mm-hmm. where they were doing a get a live gig in New York, and I watched that because I'm a big Scorsese fan. And then I saw like, oh, and how he uses the Stones through his films and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I was just like, oh, these are class. Because my dad, speaking of. Uh, not going to see bands like we talk about the prodigy my dad comes from uh swanley which is next to dartford which is where Mick Jagger's from and had the chance to go see them i think when they were just starting out it was like nah Oof. yeah oh yeah oh that's a rough one isn't it aye aye it's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a deep song this song because like yeah there's various kind of there's various ideas no is ones. it do you think so yeah, there's very like. <laughs> I love that you answered that sincerely. Sorry, because it's obviously <laughs> it's obviously about Vietnam, in part. Uh, but Keith Richards says. Keith Richards says I, 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 I didn't wrote think it was. What? I didn't think it was. Yeah, it was wrote around about that time, and it was basically that. It's, it's like Jagger kind of says it's like this apocalyptic song, where you are just trying to get away. Like you feel like everything's closing in on you. And because like Vietnam was such a different war, like it never kind of it, that kind of war had never been seen before, and it's a, it, there's a tension to the song that Keith Richards says. Basically, it, it, the reason it's so tense, particularly at the start, is because he believed that Jagger was shagging his girlfriend. Really? Yeah. So he, he probably was, just, was, wasn't he? Undoubtedly, he was. <laughs> uh, and uh, bizarrely, it's played. It's always brought out when there's natural disasters. This song. Which, oh yeah, I can see that. That's, yeah. that's, that's a good. That's a good song. That's a little good money maker for them. Yeah. That's always well, going to well, be happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. <laughs> but Dylan Skinner only get once every two years, depending on how in- if England qualify exactly. for the tournament. The Stones just ah, oh, there's a mudslide in Japan. Yeah. Oh baby, those royalties are going to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just get Keith Richards booking a holiday because hurricane season's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the coolest, the coolest story about this song is um, the female singer that they get on the. It's just brilliant when her voice cracks and you can hear them go woo, like yeah. you can really hear them jamming during. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So her name, her name's Mary Clayton, and um, she was just a session singer. The, the, the Stones didn't know her. The producer knew her, and they'd kind of decided they were recording this, uh, and it was about midnight, and. Um, the because uh, she she tells this there's a documentary, uh, it's called something like Beside the Stage or something like that. It's about kind of session singers. She tells this story. So it was about midnight, and this producer she knew just rang her up and said, "Can you come in?" And she was in her bed. Uh, so she came in in like a dressing gown with curlers in her hair, and she was heavily pregnant, and she did it in two takes. Wow! And so she basically came in at midnight, and they said here. You've got to sing this line, rape, murder, uh, and she did it in two takes and then just fucked off and went <laughs> home again. <laughs> and it like, and it's a, uh, but like you say, she, she gave it, she, so she did it once, she did the first take, she did it all right. And then the second time she was like, I'm really going to go for this. And that's like you say, when you hear her voice cracking and yeah, Jagger's so amazing. impressed that they just, you can hear him going, whoa, yeah. and you hear, and it's kept in the recording. Uh, so yeah, two takes, and uh, it became like one of the most impressive vocal performances of all time. Sadly, I hope she made it. Oh, oh shit! Sadly, she then suffered a miscarriage. And Fuck. The reason was, well, the reason that they believed it was was because she had put so much effort into singing that. That was the reason she had a miscarriage. That's not a fun fact. I didn't say it was a fun fact. <laughs> I said it was an interesting fact. Uh, Jesus Christ, Mark. Yeah. I'm trying to keep the podcast light. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking God. And yeah, she sang so hard. She, uh, she, she never recovered from it, actually. It really... Yeah. So oh, it's, my uh, God. But it, I mean, oh. it adds, adds so much to the mystique of the song. That it's... Does it? Does it add? Does the dead baby add stuff to the song? Well, I said it adds mystique. <laughs> I didn't say it added Jim, to it. I didn't say Jim, Jim, I wonder what Jim Morrison's producer would have said about that. <laughs> <laughs> he just probably reading some of his lyrics. This woman's had a miscarriage. I want to see how, what he said about that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But uh, like you say, Scorsese, Scorsese's used it in like five films yeah, or something, yeah, just the yeah. same song, because um, he, he loves the Stones. Yeah, and he's it's a um, Stones fan. It's, it's one of those, like I remember one of the first playlists I ever made when Spotify came along was I basically made a playlist of Vietnam music, because in terms of wars, by far the best soundtrack. Yeah, like yeah. Oh, God, oh God, yeah. That and uh, that and World War World War Two's got a bit of a, a bit of a nice one, I reckon, with the sort of Nazi march music. <laughs> you can get into that. Is it, have you ever listened to that stuff? Is it, it's it, man? Look, something you understand the evil evil of whiteness. Have I ever you. have I ever listened to World War Two no. Nazi music? No. Yeah, man. You 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 you'll understand. Like if you if you listen to, I don't know what it is about that stuff, but you you put that on and it just makes you want to invade Poland. <laughs> like <laughs> there's something in us. There's something in us genetically that just just wants to own Poland. <laughs> right. Last track, closing track to finish off the playlist. You've picked 
It's a Memory, the Amtrak remix. Yeah, this is my favourite, like, my favourite dance song. It's a, it's just a, it's just a banger. It's a, I thought it was nice to start with like a dance track and then yeah. show like where this is going. Amtrak's one of my favorite DJs and uh, it, well, one of my favorite good DJ, but like his producing on songs is really good. And this remix he does is just, uh, it's just, it, it should be more known. Uh, so like if anyone's listening to this, like just, you got to listen to this song if you're into your dance music. It is class. Like, cause we've, we've done this thing where like, um, Particularly during lockdown, actually, where yeah. if you were just kind of drinking at home, we'd just send each other, like, bangers. Yeah. Particularly 90s bangers. <laughs> <laughs> do you, yeah, it's, oh, do you still on. go clubbing? I haven't been. Do you know what? Because, like, I've been in lockdown for lockdown, and now I'm coming out the other side of it. I'm a little bit, like, uh, about it. I, I think clubbing is, look, when clubbing is good it's there's nothing like it mm-hmm. there is there is nothing like the nightclubs i've been to in ibiza are unreal i think even if you find a good nightclub over here like or a good rave or something but i think it's so that's why that arctic monkeys stuff is so important you know is like mm-hmm. what they're talking about is it's so sort of watered down it's this commercial like come in there's it's aggressive there's people being aggressive the doorman's aggressive you go in that's not the spirit of it. Mm-hmm. And whereas I think like if you go, I don't know, that's why I like festivals. Like I feel like it, a club needs to have like a level of freedom, but you can't, I get why you can't give people that freedom right. because they'll just take the piss. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I like kind of like, I've always wanted to go. I really want to go clubbing in Berlin because basically, because Germany, they're, they're, they're just adults. They have the autobahn and it's like, go as fast as you need to go mm-hmm. in reason. And people just sound with it. Whereas if you have that over here, there's just going to be thousands piled up every day. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's why in like Germany, anyone I know who goes to Berlin is like, they have the best time as long as they get into a place is there's no security inside. This security is all outside. So you can openly do drugs. You can openly drink, you can do whatever, but it's like, yeah, you're an adult. We trust you. Mm-hmm. And then they just have this amazing techno music and it's meant to be brilliant. So, you know, I'll go and do that. But, like, do I want to go to a fucking Tiger Tiger again? No. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And listen and listen to, you know, shitty top 40 music being played. Aye. I think a general rule of thumb is if you go in a place and they ever play, tonight's going to be a good night by the Black Eyed Peas. Go, <laughs> the last <laughs> thing tonight is uh, going to be is a good yeah, night. Tonight is going to is... be... Tonight's going to be the night where I consider killing myself again. That's what tonight's going to be. Tonight's going to be one of those nights where somebody from ISIS turned up and started opening fire in it. <laughs> then I would think, yeah, it is a good night. Yeah. <laughs> this night has turned around. <laughs> Usually I don't support ISIS. But in this case, I think, I think they, make a, they make a good point. <laughs> in this case, I might buy the strip. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Imagine ISIS started bringing out a strip every year. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't want to get it. But their third, their, their third kit is something else. It really is. It really is good this season. It's, 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 it's like something you'd get out of the nineties. It's more of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Elliot, this has been absolute class. Uh, Mark, this is such a good podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. No worries, man. Uh, I'll see you soon. Cheers. Take care, mate. And that's that, episode 8 done. Thank you so much to Elliot for a cracking, cracking laugh of a podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did recording it. In the meantime, if you have enjoyed the episode and you are enjoying all of the episodes, you can write a review on the Apple Podcasts, which would be cracking. Or if you can't be bothered, you don't have the time, even leaving us a five star would be brilliant. It all helps to spread the word. Or... If you really want to help, the most important thing that anyone can do is tell your pals. Tell people that you know like comedy, that like music, because word of mouth is still the most useful tool for spreading the word about stuff. Elliot's playlist choices will be up. I'll make up the Spotify playlist. It will be in the item description. All of Elliot's social media details will be up in the description, so please give him a follow and go and see him if you are in any town that he is doing stand-up anytime soon. You can follow us on Twitter at MyPerfectPlayPod. Get in touch if you have any suggestions for guests you would like to see in the future, any topics you'd like us to do. We're going to be doing special episodes soon, so any playlist you'd like us to make up, get in touch. Um, you can All of my details, social media and otherwise, will be up on the item description as well. And I, as I said, I filmed... My first ever stand-up comedy special last month at the stand in Glasgow. Uh, It's all edited and stuff now, and it's going to be released on my YouTube channel very, very, very soon. So please keep a lookout for that. I will leave you with the words of the legend Johnny Cash, who said, All your life, you'll be faced with a choice. You can choose love or hate. I choose love. See you next week. Bye-bye.